0: Muppets and Sesame Street, is that in a shared universe? That's my question.
1: Uh, I think so. Isn't there? Well, Kermit the Frog is the crossover, right? He's in both. Oh, that's fair. You're right. Yeah, he is. he's in both. So theres it has got to be a shared universe. Yeah. What? Kermit the Frog.
0: Here we think Marvel is making things new and exciting. Nope. No, we've already the had Muppets. shared universe
1: stuff from the Muppets for years. And we had Muppet Babies, too, because a lot of those were um, on both Muppets and Sesame Street.
0: Oh, yeah, right. Muppet Babies. Why have we not gotten a reboot of that? Why have we gotten Muppet Teens? I feel like that's... (laughs) I don't know.
2: (laughs) That would be pretty good.
1: Right? Some kind of goth, angsty Muppet. Yeah, like Miss Piggy's gone full emo. Oh, no, it's got to be Gonzo. Gonzo during his
0: high school years must have been just... complete edge in every way, shape,
1: or form. Miss Piggy's become one of the mean girls. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And Kermit is the uh, the nerdy guy yes. who the mean girl falls for at the end. Exactly. And
0: it, he has like that kind of Hey Arnold energy where it's like the mean girl obviously likes him and he's like, whatever.
1: And okay. uh, uh, Fozzie Bear is a total Stonehenge.
0: And then, um, oh, who, Ralph. Not Ralph. Who's the dog? No, Ralph. Ralph. Ralph, yeah. Ralph is like the The musician kid?
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. hundred percent. Guys. We, we, he's super angsty. He's He and, and all the girls secretly love him, but he is completely absorbed by the music and doesn't pay attention to anything around him at all. Yeah.
0: He's like the, he's the stud that, that's not a jock.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Guys, we just need to stop recording this <laughs> podcast and go make this movie. Speaking of, hello and welcome to Red Raccoon Radio, your source for tabletop gaming news in Bloomington, Illinois and beyond. We're your uh, amazing, incredible staff members of the friendly local game store, Red Raccoon Games. And today around the table is John.
1: Jamie.
2: Alexis.
0: And I'm going to say this is a a round two for us. Part two. Yes, because we we were starting to record one. I did not bring all the proper technical devices.
1: I.E. Headphones. Headphones. Very technical.
0: And uh, I could tell that there was just a constant buzzing. So for all of you listening, you're welcome. I, I made a sacrifice so that you did could listen to this episode
1: Starting and it not number. sound like it was inside of
0: a beehive.
1: <laughs> I didn't even remember what we were talking about before. So I guess it works okay to re-record since I uh, yeah. wasn't awake enough to remember what we did the first time.
0: We definitely have better energy right now than we did when we first started because when I we can... first started, we were all just the like caffeine Hello. is kicking in. Yeah. I still oh, haven't it's... had any
2: caffeine, but I'd say I'm like a notch up on the energy. Do you need a
0: diet <laughs> Mountain Dew? Cause I brought an extra one for Jamie. seeing how I made him. <laughs> for those of you that don't know, Jamie uh, constantly has at least two to three Mountain Dews uh, during the series of a podcast. He normally opens the one them, but we are going to hear a, a snap hiss. Well, this Eventually, one, like this one's
1: open. That one's empty already, though. I drank that one on the first round.
0: And I will say, as soon as I offered it, Jamie's hand was
1: out. He was ready <laughs> yeah. for it. He knew he needed it. So
0: yeah, if you need to go, I don't get think anybody I'm who fine. listens
1: to this podcast is shocked by the fact that there's a diet Mountain dude near me.
0: It shouldn't be. No, no. I should get promotional emotional
1: credits from from Pepsi Corporation.
0: I will go ahead and reach out for sponsorship opportunities. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll let you know what they when they respond. But until many live then, videos that a
1: Diet Mountain Dew is in my hand during the live video.
2: Every single you know, time. You can just collect all of them in your office and make a chair out of them.
1: Oh, that sounds very uncomfortable, though.
0: It's like the 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 uh, throne in Game of Thrones.
1: Oh yeah, you shouldn't want to sit on the throne. It wasn't that the logic behind that. Because yeah,
0: because there's so many swords there. and It yeah. was pokey and uncomfortable. Yeah. The actual it was interesting because the the skirmish game for Game of Thrones was very much more based on the books than it was the TV show. And so they actually had a four-scale um, actual throne. And in the TV show, it just looks like a normal throne made out of swords. The actual one was like 12 feet off the air with like a walking step up to it, and it was all just swords. Yeah, uh, And it was incredible. A Song of Fire and Ice.
1: I think most of the... Not all of them. I think most of the good... Um, the good games based on those were actually Song of Fire and Ice and not Game of Thrones, right? Yes. Most of the, most of the ones that did well. Although I guess the Game of Thrones card game from um, Fantasy Flight lasted multiple years. It was an no LCG. Idea. Yeah, when I first bought the store, it was pretty competitive. At the, hmm. There was a group of guys that showed up every Tuesday, and they were pretty diehard. And when they did store championships, I would have to coordinate the store championships with with the the stores in Springfield and and Champaign and Decatur and Peoria, so we all held the Game of Thrones store championships on different days because it was the same group of people that went to every store and they traveled around.
0: I find that so unbelievable simply because there's so little going on in the Game of Thrones books that... Is magical in any way, shape, or form, and I cannot get my brain to process. I barely get my brain to process a Lord of the Rings card game, and I played that one. I know how it works, but Magic is such a rare thing. I don't know how you would make an exciting card game out of it.
1: It was it was um, it was the same group of people who also played Netrunner, right? Okay. Most of them played Netrunner and Game of Thrones competitively. And they would drive to, some of the guys would drive to the FFG Center in Minneapolis, which is eight and a half hours to get there from here. And they would drive up there when they did the big regional tournaments. Or regionals were usually in Chicago, and nationals were always in Minneapolis. And they would just all pile into a car and head off. And it's, it's not really a lot different than, you know, last weekend we had a whole group of uh, two parents and a whole car full of kids that packed it up and headed to, was it Cincinnati where the the Pokemon?
2: I don't remember.
1: It's, it's somewhere in Ohio. It's either Cincinnati or Columbus where the Pokemon International um, uh, tournament game was. The tournament was. And they just packed up and headed. Wow. Away we go. I guess that's part of being in the Midwest. We're used to nothing being near us, so we <laughs> jump in the car and drive to wherever we want to be.
0: I was talking to a friend who was thinking about moving to England, and she was just saying a two-hour drive in England to English people normally seems like an infinity. Like, it's a 12-hour drive for us. That's how they seem to approach <laughs> it. And she was just flabbergasted when she was like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to drive up there. And they're like, that's two hours. Are you going to have to stop multiple times? What are you, are, do you have enough gas? Are you sure that you can get there in one t-? And she's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I can. <laughs> it's, it's two hours. Considering their country is the size of one of our states, I, I get it, but still.
1: Is England's what the size of California and Oregon?
0: Somewhere around there, something
1: yeah, something like that. Yeah, I've been there before. the the The, the problem with England is, is not the size of the driving in England is not the size of the country; it's the roads. Yeah. Because once you get off of the major interstates, they're these winding, twisting paths that were. They used to be goat paths probably back in the day and nothing goes in a straight line and they're super narrow and I almost had a heart attack the first time I'm on this like um, driving on this this road that was already kind of narrow and then there's a truck coming at me and I was like, oh God, oh God.
0: <laughs> make a decision, make a decision, make a call. Yeah. Um, so speaking of things that were somewhat high intensity and somewhat chaotic, how was the store last week, Jamie? Really calm, actually. Mm-hmm. Really nice. It was, mm-hmm. it was
1: a good time. We enjoyed it.
0: Did that feel good to say out loud, even though you know <laughs> it's not true? Does it, is it no. therapeutic? No.
1: We, what I was saying before is we spent most of this week, we didn't have any big releases or any big events this week. It was just, just normal running the game store with our normal events that we do. And we got a lot of cleaning and organizing done that we needed to do the the big focus for this week was working on the storeroom so that when we go to restock something we can find it because things were just have just been in piles in there and and um, really a lot of that was spearheaded by Chance and Ryan and Ken. Alexis helped quite a bit and Ariel was in there working on stuff too Uh, but it was really a lot of those three people and it was mostly Chance and Ryan Ken was working on um, we are getting the card sorter functional again, which he ran it the other day for like 12,000 cards yeah. and it didn't stop a single time. So, it
2: seems to be working good now.
1: Yeah. So we, um, we got a lot of organizing done. We got a lot of receiving done because that week that we were closed, boxes still didn't – they didn't stop coming in. Mm-hmm. They just got shoved in a corner. And I think we got almost everything out of the corner. The only things that haven't been received is there's a box back there with the Die RPG in it because we don't have an invoice for it. So we can't receive it till we get an invoice for it. It's got Die RPG, Heart, and Orkborg. Oh. Yeah. Orkborg is mostly a zine, it's not a hardcover like some of the other Morkborg variants have been. And then there's like, five boxes of tiny plastic robots that all showed up on Friday at, like, 11.45, and we just said, we don't have time for this. The store's opening in 15 minutes.
0: You will spend all this time learning Pokemon names, but when it comes to giant robots, they're all the same to you, aren't they?
1: Yes. Okay, all right. Well, well that's because 12 of them are named Ariel. <laughs> Somebody ordered an Ariel, like, I need that Ariel, and I'm like, well, these are all named Ariel. Which one is it? Do you want the Ariel Gundam? Th- 4, or the Mark area or the Arium V.30, or the... <laughs> right now, Jesse is somewhere... A v,
2: it's a new. <laughs> yeah.
1: Jesse is
0: Wait, somewhere, what? you know, like, I'm, I'm needed somewhere. I need to talk about <laughs> it's giant it's robots with somebody. What's force. going on? Yes.
2: The, the V means new. I don't know exactly what the translation is, but it's, it's N-U. So if you were to, like, read it, it's not V. Like it's the It's Greek? like the, the high-new Gundam, not the high-V Gundam. It's not a grocery store.
1: Delicious. I, I had no <laughs> idea. Oh, I just saw Jesse walk by. He he, he summoned. We we yeah. said his name three times, like Beetlejuice, he appears. But we got caught up on a, a just a ton of stuff. And that's what that's what our goal was. At the end of last week, I, I put out a message in Teams and just said it was chaotic last week. This week our whole goal is just to clean and organize stuff and make our lives better for the future. Next week, now we have to start sorting through all the boxes that are still packed that we haven't touched since we moved because at the end things just got shoved in boxes and john you had to go home and and get a set of headphones because i don't know where mine are at they're somewhere in a box i don't know where there's a lot of stuff The label gun the label maker came up the other day like where's the label maker and everybody just shrugged and looked at each other like it's it's over in a box over there isn't it And I do want to give a props to the
0: staff members at Red Raccoon that did all that organization and are going to go through all those boxes. Because while all of the customers have been able to come in and see the new store and see how beautiful and bright and shiny it is, the storage area still looks like the catacombs where somebody might have been bricked up in the wall. So it's not like a very super pleasant place to be the whole entire day. So props to them for like really spending the time and dedication in a windowless room.
1: Yeah, it's the deep dark. It the, was, Underdark? Is it well, the Underdark, is the Underdark of Rotorica? If there was glowing um, inchworms, then maybe yes. But there's there's no worms that we found so far.
0: Well, we'll look on Amazon. We'll see if we can't get some moved in there for you.
2: <laughs> I mean, there's a creepy frog hanging up.
1: What now, Jeremiah? <laughs> He's over there. There's a frog that's been hanging from the rafters that we just never took down. It's not a real frog. It's a plastic frog. That is really <laughs> what you need to start with. Yeah, it's like a it's like a frog piggy bank. And okay, this makes
0: so much better sense. Why it's
1: hanging over there? None of us has the slightest clue. But also, we've never bothered to take it down yet either.
0: I think it has to stay. I was like, I'm gonna have to not publish this episode. This is animal <laughs> cruelty by all the members of the Red Raccoon staff. Uh, this is there awful. before us. Okay, we didn't hang it. Oh, it's so it's a weird frog bank that isn't even somehow related to yeah
1: yeah it's it's been there it's been there since the first time I came and looked at this building. We were looking for a new place to move Mavidia. So before I had ever even talked to Ken about buying the game store, I had a com- computer company called Mavidia Technology Group, and there was I was one of four owners, and we came and looked at this building, and I want to say it was two thousand nine. And that frog was hanging up there in 2009, and there was a full BMX bike track down here. Did I ever tell you this? What? There was yeah, like like uh, mountain biking was really all the rage, and there were wooden ramps and angles and like bridges you had to run across, ride across, and everything was made out of two by four. It was like the was the kids next door with the two by four technology, the cartoon. Everything like there were places where you could ride up the wall and come down facing the other direction. And was they had like a challenge course and it was all made out of wood. Somebody bit it pretty hard and broke their back, and that was the end of the BMX bike club of Bloomington Normal.
0: The BMX bike club in a basement with brick walls, yes, yeah. I think that was a good plan, indoor, outdoor,
1: right? You mean, well, I don't know about the outdoor part, yeah. I think, you know how in the back there's that ramp where they used to push the groceries down when this was a Woolworths? Yeah, That's where they started. They started at the top of the ramp and rode down that ramp, and that gave them the speed to launch into the rest of everything else that they were going to do in the basement. This
0: is terrifying to even consider. (laughs) Not only do. Yeah. All right, let's get into something a little bit safer than BMX biking in a basement. Let's talk about what games we've gotten on the table lately. Because I actually... Have quite a few. Uh, I got to play some with you, Jamie, and then I got to play some last night, and that was really fun. Let's start with Alexis. Alexis, what games have you played?
2: Um, Batoku is what I played most recently. We did that yesterday, and it was. It's rated really heavy, and it felt like a lot. It's like a thirty-two page rule book. Whoa! But once we got going, it wasn't that bad.
0: Okay, so kind of walk us through what is the, so this? So
2: the theme is like forest spirits. Um. So, it's got a lot of like Japanese esque influence. I don't want to, I don't know what's appropriate and what's not. So, That's yeah, fair. we'll just go with that. Um, so, you're like moving along multiple different paths. You've got these guys, and you have um, like these pilgrims that can do different things. And the board's massive, and it's just, it, there's a lot going on.
1: Okay. <laughs> so, I like so it's really a, pretty. Is it a worker placement?
2: Yeah, it's like a dice worker placement. Okay, so you're rolling your like,
1: the dice and assigning the dice different places?
2: You don't roll the dice. They start with three, two, one. You have three dice, and you put them out on the tracks, and then you have to cross the river. And when you cross the river, you roll your dice down one. So if it's 3, it turns into a 2. At the end of the round, it goes back to your board as whatever it is then. But there are things that let you make your dice higher because the first action you do with the dice, say if you're like going to take the move action, A three would only move you like one space, but a six would move you four spaces. So you can use the things to make your dice higher. This
0: sounds suspiciously like Tiwa Tiwa Khan.
2: Did you get... I have played that. Um, I mean, I see what you're saying. It's it's slightly, I would say it's different. Okay. Yeah. But with the dice changing numbers, yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: You enjoyed it though?
2: I did. Good. Other than that, Three Sisters has been my new favorite. It's a rolling right.
1: You're going down that rolling right track.
2: Yeah.
1: All right, rock on. <laughs> um,
0: so for me, uh, I got to play with Jamie on 4th of July, and so we got a game of 3rd edition, Betrayal in the House on the Hill, yeah. on the table, which I'm going to say...
1: I, I think you're the only one who had played that before.
0: The original game? The 3rd like edition. edition. Yeah, so I've now played it twice because I played it last night with some friends too. I've got to say, I miss the 2nd edition's like overly complicated... Weird rules and and scenarios um, the scenarios that have been played with the third edition have not been bad, and I feel like for I feel like this is like an introductory version of betrayal in the House on the Hill as I know it because nothing ever seems too complex the the scenario I did last night was oh there's some cursed items and the cursed items are monsters, so all the items all the characters collected turned into monsters I got to take them all and use them as like enemy pieces as i was trying to kill everyone and you were the betrayer again i was the betrayer again i just (laughs) i'm lucky like that and they're just it seemed very direct and it didn't seem like there was a lot of nuance to it and i just don't feel like they're as enriching as the original or the second edition scenarios were sadly
1: i think that's part of the appeal is a lot of people like the fact that it's streamlined and they don't want the game to go on as long, they would rather play multiple games of it than have one overly complex game because betrayal has always been a game that is kind of more mainstream than than a lot of the other games, right? That's true. It's kind of in that same vein as settlers of Caton and ticket to ride and kind of those more accessible gateway games really it's kind of the first uh gateway kind of deduction game of what's going on so i i think that that was actually their goal was to streamline it simplify it a little bit though but you're not the first person i've heard that said i i do miss some stuff about the second edition second edition is still floating around you can still find it though yeah it's still out there
0: i've I'm I'm planning on probably playing it again whenever. I think I'll play with a group of friends. I'll introduce them to the third edition. And then once we've done that a few times, I'll be like, let's play the second edition.
2: And then you play Legacy.
0: Exactly.
1: If you can find it. Yeah, that one's a tough one to get now. Legacy, they stopped making it. Jesse says consistently that it is his favorite Legacy game he's ever played. And the only one that everyone was so excited that they actually finished every mission. Mm Mm-hmm. Because the legacy game sets up the the past of why are all these crazy things happening in this house? Because you play it over multiple gen- multiple generations of the family live there. Yep. But they stopped making it, and it has gone absolutely meteoric in price online. It's supposed to be like a sixty dollar game, and I've seen it for almost two hundred. Crazy.
0: It'll be on Kickstarter again at some point. That's how the, the, the life cycle of board games now works. Your, your yeah. price of your game goes really high until they do a re-release. and then. What's then a Hasbro
1: game? So it'll be on Hasbro. Pulse. Oh, so it might get locked in the vault if they don't get enough people to be. back it.
0: Yep. yep. Okay. That sounds familiar. Speaking
2: of re-releases, Ex Libris is getting a second edition. Oh, really? I'm very excited about that because I really liked Ex Libris the couple times I played it, but I couldn't buy it. And so now I'm like, oh, cool. They're doing a reprint and it, uh, there's an expansion too.
0: I know they're also doing a reprint of the Firefly board game and yeah. all of its components and pieces. Yeah, which, the
1: collector's giant, 10th edition collector's anniversary edition.
0: Which I feel like that game is a odd hodgepodge of so many desperate elements of a game. Like, you have this one scene where you're flying around in space and you're just changing it up, and then all of a sudden you can do a train robbery in the middle of this episode. And so you like have this whole total separate board that you have to go work on and it just it felt like a game where people were just plugging things in that seemed to work but didn't really have a lot of synergy and i don't know if i'm wrong about that but
1: i think that's kind of like the tv show though that's fair there's an entire episode of nothing but flying around and we got to find some fuel and we need to get some food and clean everything up and then the next episode is, is a train robbery or the episode you know there's all these different things that happen in the show which is i, I think what a lot of people, why people didn't understand it when it was first released on TV, that they couldn't grasp what was going on because they expected a sci-fi show must be a clone of Star Trek or Star Wars. And what they got was a cowboy show just in spaceships.: Yeah, well, and that's why uh, you know, you can mix all of the various versions of Munchkin together, and a lot of people will mix Star Munchkin with the good, the Bad, and the Munchkin together, and they call that Firefly Munchkin. Oh,
0: I like cool. that. It's very cool.
1: There's a lot of combinations of people have mixed munchkin, munchkin games together to make what they call for different movies and stuff Over the, if you look on the internet.
0: Speaking of combinations, combinations, I think that leads us into our first topic for today, which is something that actually kind of comes from the Discord. Not necessarily a question that was posed to us there, but a conversation that was had, which I think we have briefly touched on before. But I thought with as many people having their opinions about what's going on and and how this should be function. I thought it might be good to kind of air it into a conversational situation. So, Jamie, do you want to set up kind of what happened and what you jumped in the middle of the other day?
1: I think the original question was, can I bring these 3D-printed models to the store to play Warhammer with?
0: And to be clear, in this post, he was asking if he could bring uh, basically, they're alternate sculpts that people have made. They're not direct copies of what is sold within the store. So yeah, it was more like someone had to, made some really pretty versions of it, and they wanted to bring those in and play them, and seeing how they're not something that you can actually purchase was wondering if that was okay. And it snowballed.
1: As all good internet threads do, Fair right? They, they start snowballing and and... To back things up just a little bit, when we came, before we went into COVID, we had been looking at the idea of charging for uh, table space in the events area because we were doing some deep dive numbers analysis. And we realized that we had about 30% of the people who came to events every week spent less than $5 per month in the store. Then we had another 25% of people who came to the store to play in events every week spent less than $25 per month in the store. So 55% of the people who were playing games every week weren't actually shopping with us. And we were trying to figure out what was going on and why. Because there's some real costs to having the event space. Mm -hmm. There's the real estate costs because we get charged by the foot for that and we pay taxes and fees and all that kind of stuff on there as well. But there's also probably one of the biggest costs for us is the cleaning of the space. It takes a lot of time and effort to, you know, in the old building, we mop the floors, we, we changed out the tablecloths. We had to put the chairs up. We had to more people in your store playing games. Meant a lot more bathroom usage. So we had water usage. We had more electricity heating and cooling trying When you put a ton of bodies in an area the the it heats up, right? We all know this and so we had all these costs that were going into having this space and we were then we have staff time to Organize events and everything for there And we had all these people who weren't actually shopping for us They just showed up and expected to be able to play for free all the time It's not cost-effective. It doesn't work long term for the store. So we put in table fees and the way that we structure it, the way we still run it is if you shop at the store, every $13 you spend in the store, earns you a coupon good for one event, one table table fee. And that felt fair to us. Um, if you spent $50 a month in the store, you get to play a, a, once a week every week because it's about the same price as if you were going to go to the movies or most things that you can do anymore right. are going to cost you somewhere between 10 and 15 bucks. So we're at $13. Most of our customers who can, uh, went... Yeah, okay, that seems reasonable. A few customers uh, went and talked a lot of nonsense about us and everything that we were gonna do and told us that we were gonna go out of business because nobody charges table fees. Well, that's not true. Actually, the majority of game stores are moving this model because of inflation and everything else. But when that happened, inside of the modding community, that changed um, something where people said, well, if I'm paying for table fee space, you shouldn't be able to tell me that i you know i'd rather than i could, i should be able to bring and play with 3d printed models and i said you know this is a conversation that was from um you know 2021 and i said we signed an agreement with games workshop that said for games workshop events only official games workshop models would be used it's outside
0: of your control for these Structured events that you're putting on,
1: right? And that's I think I'm pretty sure that's also into into the rules for Marvel Crisis Protocol and a lot of the minis companies because most of their product is uh, intellectual property. That's mm-hmm. mostly what they're selling, right? As we move into a 3D printed era, where any we're getting closer to the point where where anything could be printed with 3D printers. Yep. And. Now things are starting to get really gray and wonky about what you can do and what you can't you can't do. You could always take a 3D or you could always take a model from Games Workshop and kit bash it and take the weapons off of one thing or arms or heads or whatever, any parts that you had. And there's an active community of people who trade those extra bits all the time. And, or people who will use something like green stuff or brown stuff and they will sculpt custom things and they make these incredible models. That was always there. Mm-hmm. Well, now you can make that model and you can just print it on a resin printer. So where does that fall inside or outside of the rules if you're modding it? You didn't actually sculpt it yourself and modded it, but maybe you sculpted it in 3D in a 3D program like Maya or something, um, and then you printed it. Well, what if you're not the original sculptor? What if you're just downloading it? Because when you had one sculpt, that's different than saying, I got an STL of this file from someplace, Thingiverse or wherever you're getting it, and there's a, there's a lot of causality and, and chains of events that are going to happen as 3D printing gets easier and easier. Right now, my opinion is 3D printing is kind of a pain in the butt. There's so much that could go wrong that it's, it, it has to be a passion and a hobby right now because it's not reliable consistently.
0: It's not like a microwave. You can't just close the door, put in a number, and you know it's going to work. It's... Yeah, there's a whole
1: series of things that could go wrong, and yep. you could do the same thing ten times, and randomly three of them just didn't work.
0: The temperature in that room drops five degrees. All of a sudden, the resin doesn't set the same way it did. Like It's a constant struggle to get repetition done
1: right. with it. So if you've got a game, such as Warhammer, where the entire game is based on the model, selling the models to play the game. And now people, you can't sell the models anymore because anybody can just print the models or buy the models or order them from a third-party website. And so the conversation was like, well, what about stuff that the store doesn't sell? Can I use stuff that the store doesn't sell? And, And that's an interesting conversation too because... At first, we had direct copies of Games Workshop models. So those are direct IP violations, right? And direct copyright violations. And it's violation of the agreement we signed with them. It's easy to say, no, you may not use that space marine that you copied, that somebody copied. But what if it's just a completely different sculpt and a completely different model that you just sub in for where the space, the official one, should be? So. If we're running a tournament, it's easy to say, you must use official Games Workshop models. What about Friday night free play when people are hanging out? I got these cool alternate sculpts of the Adeptus Custodes, or I got this awesome tank that's not an official tank, but it's...
0: Products that people are proud of for the art that they've put into it, for the design that they did, or the kit bashing that they did with it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so where the thread it kind of went a couple different directions and everything. And one of the things I said, is said, okay, I just need everybody to understand that our main reason for having this space is to reinforce the sales of the models mm-hmm. that we have. And if you guys all decide to go outside and you're saying, we don't want to buy the official Games Workshop models anymore, then why do I want to keep carrying the, that product and, and having it in the store? And why do I want to keep hosting events on a Friday night? Because there's a ton of competitions of everybody wants their event to be on Friday night, right? Mm -hmm. But the Warhammer guys are kind of grandfathered into it. And if if it's not... Because $5 per person that we waive because you bought some other stuff, that doesn't actually cover the whole cost of cleaning and running the basement and having the basement heating and cooling and... And replacing chairs and fixing tables and all the stuff that we do, five dollars one time for you're here for four hours on a Friday night does not cover it. No. So does that mean we gotta raise the fees? I, I don't know. I mean that but I was trying to start the conversation. The guys, I need you to understand where I'm coming from that all these components are all wrapped up in here. And and what does the future look like? I, I don't know either. Is it 10 years from now, we have an official Games Workshop 3D printer that sits upstairs, and Alexis comes to the counter and says, I want the new... Tyranid know, Army. Tyranid Army. And I say, okay, Alexis, it'll be X dollars, and then I, I get a code, right, and I put it into that machine, and it prints that Tyranid Army out for Alexis. And then I handle XSR models and cause they're official models now. Is is that where we're going? I don't I don't actually know what the future holds. Is that five years from now? Is that twenty years from now? I mean, when does 3D printing become so reliable that it is consistent and sellable every time? Cause I don't believe that we're there yet, but I think we're heading that way.
0: I think a large part of the the spirit of what's going on in this discussion kind of comes down to a statement that you told me whenever I started getting to know you and understanding the store and your work ethic. And it's that Red Raccoon sells fun. And I think oftentimes the focus comes to the fun part because not all businesses get to do that. You know, if you work at maybe a like RV or like a outdoor f- fun vehicle, like for speeder not speeders. Am I in Star Wars? Um, Dude, I would totally buy a speeder. I know. Everyone would. It would be the preferred may of going around. But like a Harley-Davidson or something like that, it's very few businesses that get to sell fun. And so that obviously is kind of the weird statement in that line. But I think the sells fun is the important part. And this is a safe space. This is a nice space. This is not just your bedroom. This is not just, you know, a spare bed. This is not just a place where only you and maybe you make some friends can come. You can actually come here and be a part of a community and get to know people and have a welcoming environment. And when people ask these questions, sometimes I don't think they're necessarily thinking what is in the best interest of the health of the store. It is what is the best interest of the fun that we're trying to have. Right. And I think that sometimes gets lost in the conversation from the, the customer point of
1: view. Well, and, and it's also not unlike um, proxies in Magic the Gathering or Pokemon. Yeah, good point. Some of those cards have gotten so expensive, the new guys, the young guys, can't afford a full set of dual lands. They can't afford a Tabernacle. They can't afford to play with the Power Nine. They're just unobtaining them for them right now. There's an entire industry that has been built on counterfeiting cards and selling them on sites like Amazon or eBay or wherever. We see counterfeit Pokemon cards being purchased by parent, unsuspecting parents for, uh, at flea markets all the time. Here in town, like Third Sunday Market, a parent came in and said, Yeah, we just got these cards out of Third Sunday Market. I'm like, they're all counterfeits. None of them is real. If your kid's six years old. Cares. Do they care? Yeah. Do you care? But the then those counterfeit cards are are so good and so accurate now that we spend time training staff members to realize how to spot them. How do you? So how do you police counterfeit cards? How do you um, say to somebody, "Hey, you can't play with that card in the store. You have to play with the real version of it, or nothing at all." And so it's this it's the same conversation that we're we're having where if there's a cheap knockoff available, and I don't care what people do at their houses, do anything you want at your house. But at the store, you know, we're obligated. Obligated under contract to not allow these things to happen. And it would be detrimental to our health if people started buying these knockoffs or 3D printing everything on their own to the point where it would be would we have to change how the the gameplay space operates do i get rid of friday night warhammer or friday night magic if they're not making money and give that space to another community who is actively supporting the store because everybody's jockeying for position of everybody wants their things everybody feels like their community is the biggest community it's the best community and should get first priority doesn't matter how small your community is. Everybody attack, comes at us that same way.
0: They're proud of it. They're, they're proud of the community that they're building.
1: Absolutely. And, and there are great people in every single one of our communities, but we're still a store first. And it takes this money from the sales to do all the other cool stuff that we want to do for creating the safe space, creating the clean space that we do that's, that makes us different than other stores. So to kind
0: of veer off this conversation just a little bit, How far do you think we are from having a game that completely relies on a person having a 3D printer to actually play? Like, they produce the rule books, but they're like, here are the STL files that you get whenever you buy the rule book. You guys have to print off your own minis. We will keep on supplying rules and new things
2: to It's like a print and play, but to the extreme.
0: Exactly. Exactly that. So how...
2: there's, a,
1: there's been a bunch of Kickstarters for board games where they've said, here's the STF, STL files and the rules while you wait for us to manufacture the official game. They give people all that stuff. Oh,
2: I had not seen that. That's interesting.
1: Uh, yeah. Have you seen that? I've seen that several times.
2: Not with 3D printed models, but I've seen it with just regular games that don't have minis, right? Yeah. You can print off all of the, the score sheets and the board. I've and seen, the rulebook's a PDF. Yeah, and, yeah.
0: I've seen RPGs that you can you know, buy the you know, extra Kickstarter special thing and get the minis from the figures that are part of the unofficial 5e supplement that they are creating or something along those lines.
1: Yeah, there's been some board games where you've been able to as part of it, you're back at a higher level and you get the STLs too. So I think, I don't know, five years? But I think... It would be hard to do that yet. And it's probably more like ten years because it's hard to do it right now because three D printers have to be, I think, like you said, as basic as a microwave. Yep, it has to be something where my grandma could walk over to it and open it up and and put something in it and then get the result she wanted. And we're not there yet.
2: I feel like it also needs to be affordable.
1: Well, a lot of the yeah, the resin is the expensive part. The printers themselves are pretty cheap, but the resin, if you had to print a bunch of minis, it can get pretty pricey. Yeah. It's probably not as pricey as buying a, a 40K Army from GW. Well, it's definitely not as pricey <laughs> as that. But but uh, it's... It's an investment, It's Jamie. pricey it's if investment. you consider time. But yeah. a lot of people yeah. don't put value mm-hmm. on their time. You know, and that's... That's something that we see a lot across, particularly in America. I think Europe is probably better at putting value on their time than Americans are. But a lot of people don't put value on their time. And if it's your hobby, you know, I mean, I've spent plenty of hours on stupid stuff that Kelly's like, what are you doing? But I don't know. I don't know how far we are.
0: In prepping for this article, I thought about it a lot of how if a good company could come out and say – We want to be a 4K competitor, but we don't want to do the manufacturing cost. We want to do the book cost. We want to play it. And then that then builds a community of people who actually are proficient within 3D printers to start basically making a side business of just producing these models that then can vary in size and shape and and change as need be. And then seeing what that community develops out of I just was kind of fascinated by that
1: idea of how it cuts down. So what you're talking about is Frostgrave. Frostgrave is uh, kind of adjacent to what you're talking about. Frostgrave is a minis game where they said, we're not going to make any minis. Use whatever you've got on your shelf. Everybody who wants to play Frostgrave already has minis at home. So go use whatever you have. We don't care if it's 40K. We don't care if it's Kings of <coughs> War or Bolt Action. Use any minis that you want. And, and have fun. Here's the rules. Interesting. But they, they didn't sell it as a PDF, right? They sold it as a hardcover book. We've, we've carried oh. it. We've, we sell it. Um, and it's used whatever minis you have. Sorry, we're <laughs> laughing because
0: uh, Alexis has brought the squeakiest water bottle in the world. And she's doing so much to try and not get the squeak on the microphone. But we cannot.
1: Yeah. But, I mean, I think, you know, there's a point, too, where we've got, um, what's that thing? Glowforge? Yes. Which is a, it can cut wood, it can cut glass, it can cut all these different materials. So how far are we from Glowforge etching a board for you, and that's the board for your board game, and you 3D printed all the minis, and you use a laser printer to print out all the cards and score pads and everything else that you have. Um, how far are we from somebody who just designs something completely Where, if you have the right materials? Now, of course, Glowforges are really expensive right now, so not very many people have them. But just 3D printers five years ago were five times the cost they are now.
0: It was something that a university might have that you could use maybe if you're lucky.
1: Yeah, and they're just, you know, as technology marches on, we know that everything will get cheaper and cheaper. As an example, and it proves how old I am, I remember the year that my mom asked for a microwave for Christmas. When I was a kid, and Dad loaded me and my brother in the truck, and we drove to the store and we bought a microwave, and that microwave was fifteen hundred bucks. Wow, and now microwaves are what one hundred and seventy five for a good one
2: yeah, good one I mean you can get non- you can
1: get cheap ones for a hundred bucks, right? not even yeah. But yeah, Yeah. if you want a good one that's going to last a while, that's got a bunch of cool features, but if you want a small, basic one, you can cook some popcorn in or heat up a bowl of ramen.
0: Now, did they have to load the plutonium directly into that microwave that you bought back then? It was
1: so big, John. It took two of us to carry it. It was that big. It was, it's like, yeah, this is way before them getting small enough to hang underneath the, the counter or something like that, or the cabinets, right? This was, it got its own separate table to sat on, and... I you know you have to wonder even back then like how many people are never having children because they stood too close to the microwave <laughs> yeah, they right? Radiated. Yeah, they radiated radiated their uh, reproductive systems because they spent too much time near the microwave.
0: Well, speaking of things that make rarity possibilities. Uh that was a horrible <laughs> transition. That was a really bad one. All right. I had a really good one last week and I I have to suffer now. I, we would go amiss if we weren't talking about board gaming news and talked about the fact the One Ring has been found.
1: Oh, yep. That's a rare the,
0: the One Ring of the Magic the Gathering set for Lord of the Rings has been found. It has been graded PSA. I can't believe that it... Okay, so I have not been able to find firm news, but the card was graded at a 9, yes. which is great from what I understand. I talked to Ken about this a little, little the other day. It's like there's so many factors that prevent it from being a perfect 10.
1: Is the edges cut perfectly? Is it perfectly centered? Is it perfectly, is the print on it perfect, which is harder to do when you make one? Well,
0: that's just it. Okay, I've got some beef if that's the problem. Now, if, this ha- if something happened while it was in the packaging that prevented it from being a 10, that I'll understand. But you're telling me that Wizards of the Coast printed this one card that they knew was going to be big and they did not... You know they printed off, like, a few sheets, and they picked out the one they thought was perfect. You would hope so. Right? They didn't just make one of these. Now, I'm sure those others were destroyed, like, in front of a witness, and then those ashes were burned and then <laughs> sanctified by a priest and never returned. But,
2: thrown in a volcano.
0: Exactly. They were most likely thrown <laughs> into a volcano. They went too deep and woke in the Balrog, though. Exactly. But it, if it is something where they could have had quality control to make this the perfect card, to give this a 10, why did they not? And that is just upsetting
1: to me. I don't know. It, there was um, there was some interesting tangential news that came out of this too, though. So there are three major grading companies in North America, PSA, Beckett's, and um, CGC. CGC. And during the height of the Pokemon craze, they were all getting hammered and blasted and it was months and months to get anything graded and get it back. But every one of these trading, uh, every one of them came out to say, we'll make a special deal for whoever rings us the one ring because they wanted to be the one who graded it. And CGC and Beckett's both offered free stuff to anybody who brought it to them. PSA still charged, but just charged less. And it was still PSA was the one who was chosen to to have the One Ring brought to them. Interesting. Yeah, because a lot of them charge based on a percentage of the card's value. Oh. So when we've had cards graded before, they say, "What's the What do you think this card will be worth?" And then they charge you a percentage based on that plus a base fee. And well, if your card the offer was like the last offer we talked about was two million for the card, does that mean you have to pay? 50 grand to get it graded because it's based on a percentage i don't know but um also we saw some stats though of what the percentage of all the cards graded and who did what and nobody realized how much bigger psa was than beckett or cgc like in the last couple years with the pokemon craze they've done millions and millions and everybody else is in like you know a couple hundred thousand interesting so it was pretty interesting. To and see they do that sports aspect. cards and things like that as well, correct? Yeah, that's they all got nobody really got a lot of magic or Pokemon cards graded until it became a thing. The, your your vintage stuff, your your power nine, those got graded, but you didn't see a lot of stuff graded until the Pokemon craze started. Then everybody was getting everything. It's called getting slabbed. We're getting everything slabbed. Mm-hmm. And and people got stuff slabbed that it didn't even make sense. I'm like, the card oh, is not even as worth as much as it cost you to get that done. That didn't make sense. Why'd you do that? Somebody had a, a slab of a card the other day that it was worth four dollars. I'm like, it cost twelve to get it put in there, <laughs> but it looks so pretty now. Yeah, it does look pretty. Yeah, it looks very official. And then, but then, Pokemon um, values collapsed too. So maybe it was worth more than twelve before the card got put in there. We saw that bubble burst hardcore, and only the old stuff is worth a lot, except for the new Umbreon. Not even the new Umbreon. Um, sorry, since we always have to talk about a little bit about Pokemon.
0: We, it, we always have to talk about D&D once, at least, and yeah. Pokemon's new set coming out. So this is actually new territory. Okay.
1: Well, there's a, one of the sets that came out a couple years ago. is called Evolving Skies. In Evolving Skies, everybody was super hyped on it because it had all eight of the evolutions that were in there. And part of what that set had was they had a separate little mini run of cards called... The, the, the galarian trainers academy galarian tr-
2: trainer gallery but that wasn't that's not the one you're thinking of okay the trainer gallery cards are actually cheap even though i don't understand why they are because i think they're really pretty and different but you're talking about like the umbreon that's like really big like on in uh, um yeah
1: have you seen the price on that recently
2: no but i know they were Silver over 600
1: wow yeah all those all the the alternate arts they did, those secret art cards that they did for all yeah. those EVs have all gone crazy. And so somebody came in the other day, they're like, I want to buy that box and you know, one of the uh red people upstairs took it to the register and said, Okay, that'll be six hundred and twenty four dollars and they were like what? <laughs> oh, yeah. We oh, should mention. You didn't know that you asked for the $550 box of, of Evolving Skies. They're like, let's go ahead and put that back and get Scarlet <laughs> and Violet, which is still a normal price.
0: Do we have the card set that was coming out that has the $150?
1: No, it just We just opened up pre-orders on it. Okay. Alexis got everything set up for that, and yeah. we just did it this week, wasn't it?
2: I opened it, well, today's Sunday. So we opened pre-orders last week, but...
0: Abra and Cadabra has been holding this up for years and finally with that
1: lawsuit gone Yuri is finally accepting the fact that Abra Cadabra is not a slight on him but actually an homage to him
0: and I think we've talked about this on the podcast like yeah. his kids came to him and was like your grandkids kinda, yeah you're, you're being a jerk about
1: this yeah. so you know what we're talking about Yuri Geller was this 80's psychic who was famous for making these claims that he could bend spoons with his mind only so when Abra, Abracadabra, they're holding yeah. spoons, Abra and Kadabra are, he thought it was a slight okay. against him, like they were making fun mm-hmm. of him. So he sued the Pokemon Corporation, and they <laughs> haven't been in the game.
0: For that reason. There's been a locked legal battle for years
1: since then. And then finally he, well, he won Pokemon 1. Um, and then he stopped complaining about pressing charges when he, an article came out maybe a year or so ago that his grandkids came to him and said, they're not making fun of you. They're make, having an homage to you for this, that this psychic character would have a spoon because of all the stuff that you did. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's just a fun little side story in Pokemon. Yeah.
0: So certainly that set's not coming out right now. But it'll be, it'll be soon. It'll be soon. Until then, however, we have a lot of great stuff that is in there right now on the new hotness. Yes. So we're all pulling out our phones so we can look at the photos that I just took a few minutes ago that luckily we redid the podcast so I could look at this uh, and get a picture taken for it. But, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing a few things on there that I have not seen before, such as uh, the new Unmatched for Hell's Kitchen and Redemption Row came out. And those characters are Daredevil, Elektra, Bullseye, and Ghost Rider, Luke Cage, and Moon Knight.
1: Yeah, the Unmatched games are made by Restoration Studios that, you know, most of what they make is restoring old games, right? Mm -hmm. Like they did um, Dark Tower,
0: Tower, Fireball Vendetta was them. Vendetta was them. Fury Road. Fury Road. They also did um, Downforce, I think is one of the games.
1: Yeah, but then Unmatched is probably their biggest game that's not Mm -hmm. directly attached to that.
0: And has done a really good job of playing in some interesting – because they have Buffy the Vampire Slayer sets coming out with that. They have a lot of historical sets. It's Everybody been to see. Everybody wants the Bruce
1: Lee set, it's just really hard to find. Yeah. It was called Legends, and it's got uh, – there's one with – there's Fog and Cable, which has got Sherlock Holmes in it. Uh, yeah, there's, uh, there's uh, several of them that have Jurassic Park stuff. So Dr. Sandler and the T-Rex, um, the Velociraptor's in there. So you can fight Bruce Lee versus a Velociraptor if you wanted
0: to. I feel like this is what Funko Pop's board game was trying to get at, but they just didn't have the full gumption to get done. We also have a very cute new uh, squish, Squishable, which is a mole. He is. And he's adorable. He's
1: cute. I don't know where you posted this picture at, John.
0: Oh, I've I thought it. I texted it to you. Hang on. I've got it.
1: I don't have it. Uh, the, the Squishable has so many models coming up that Alexis was totally geeking out. Yeah, yeah. And we've got, uh, it was a pretty massive order. Yeah. It was so massive that they're sending us free massives as part of the order. Um, there's, just a, there's just so many of them coming out. There are, uh, for those of you that are Squishable fans, the Plague Doctor is what got it all started for us. And they're coming out with the Halloween editions of the Plague Doctor and the Plague Nurse. And they're called the Spooky Doctor and the Spooky Nurse. I'm sorry.
0: I'm not going to harsh their mellow on this, but isn't it just that they are the Halloween versions? Like, it's a Plague Doctor and a Plague Nurse. I feel like they already fit into Halloween. What do they do to make them more Halloween-y? I they,
2: don't remember what those ones have on it. They've gone goth. Okay, because my brain is stuck they, on like the I, what autumnal, <laughs> mushroomy ones that are. There's I really like
1: uh, spiders and webs on their costumes and. Okay,
2: okay, that makes.
1: I was like, because yeah, they are nature. top. Like, this is not making sense. There's like the Nordic nature ones too. That's what you were talking about, yes. right? Like, like they've got horns, like they're forest creatures yeah. or something, and they're all in greens and browns. Yeah,
2: I'm excited about those ones.
1: And there's a there's a dentist version coming out too plague doctor dmd
0: what (laughs) are you are you making fun of me now (laughs) no i
1: wanted to see your face that was awesome (laughs) no i'm actually not kidding about that at all it's actually that one's real that one is real too yeah there's there's so much cool stuff coming out there they're also really leaning into last year they did a christmas version of the plague doctor um, and this year they've got they've got a lot more Christmas specific ones coming out. They've got a couple of St. Patrick's Day specific ones coming out. Um, not St. Patrick's versions of the um, uh, Plague Doctor, but just of St. Patrick's Day squishables like a shamrock. Gotcha. Okay. One of the things that I had asked about, as I said, hey, you made the with the wizard and you made a witch. Can we get more? What I would say, like RPG type characters, and a, a squishable to be available. barbarian,
0: yeah, a squishable ranger,
1: and they're they're coming out with a knight and a viking.
0: What Look at that! Next, yeah, the next ones that are coming out, too. So, Jamie making friends and influencing people.
1: Yeah. I know. Uh, I th- will see the other one I asked for. I don't know if I told you guys I said this or not. I asked for them to make like the full D7 set of dice as well. Oh, I think squishable dice that are soft and cuddly ones versus we got the big ultra pro D20s. Yeah. Well, they're a little bit too big to be practical, and they're mostly just round.
2: Yeah, they're really firm, too. Like, they're not comfortable like I feel like stuffed animals are supposed to be. You yeah. can't
1: use it as a pillow, really. Yeah. It's yeah. more of a decorative piece. Yeah. Or it's really good to chuck it, your friends across yeah. the room, too. Or employees. Yeah. That's happened a few times. That's happened as well.
0: Uh, I did see that they're making a That's Pretty Clever for Kids, which, yeah. as far as dice games go, that's one of my favorites. Uh, the, pretty, the, the Clever series has been... Imported, I forget where it's originally from, but
1: well, I'm assuming Germany? it's Germany since it's gone Sean Clever. That yeah. sounds German to that me, that sounds yeah. right.
0: But it has been one that I can always take to like non board gaming people's houses and always have a fun time with. Um, a lot of everyone is remaining active throughout the whole entire game, and I always think that's a hallmark of good games nowadays.
1: The other thing that we got in that I was excited about was Mother of Frankenstein. And this is a big Kickstarter that we pulled in. It's it's this Frankenstein-esque kind of gothic horror. Is, is Frankenstein gothic? I don't know. I kind of feel like Frankenstein Victorian, maybe. Gothic. I feel like,
0: yeah, the original, like the story of Frankenstein, yeah. yes, very gothic.
1: And, and it's a multi-part. Escape Room, Murder Mystery, um, Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective kind of. If you like Sherlock Holmes games like Whitehall or Consulting Detective, you're going to like Mother of Frankenstein. It is getting rave reviews all over the place, but we're only selling it as a bundle. you got to buy all three parts at the, at the same time. And it builds on itself as it goes along when you solve each part of the, what's going on. Um, you know, once you solve chapter one, you go into chapter two. Well, things that you knew from chapter one now also affect what's going on in chapter two as well. Okay. So that's kind of a big, chunky one that came in. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's getting, it's, it's yeah, the, the internet has gone wild.
2: <sighs> the stuff of legend is one that I'm interested in. It sounds really neat. I remember looking it up, and then I saw that you backed it. So I was like, okay, cool. But it's about a kid's nightmare, and you're uh, trying to... To help him. Like the either. boogeyman has abducted him, and the yeah. stuffed animals
1: are going. It's yeah. like it's like if the boogeyman abducted Andy, and all the Toy Story characters are getting organized to go after him. I feel
0: like this was very close to what Stuffed Fables was, yeah. But looks a little bit darker than necessary. This is not going to have like fun life lessons that you can teach your kids after
1: every episode. No, this is probably not one you're going to play with the kids at all.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, I did notice that there were some weird things on there that I've never seen before. And I can't see their names, but...
1: Level three. Level three, the... The marble mazes. The marble mazes is what we're They're them. all... So there's a, there's a collection of them. Uh, and they're marble mazes, except for their invisible marble mazes. And what that means is you know where the marble is at the start. You have to tilt and rotate the boxes to move the marble through the maze... And each of them has somewhere between five and eight levels of the maze. So you have to say, okay, now I think that the marble should be down at the bottom and it should have dropped to the next level. And therefore I'm going to do the maze of the next level because on the easier ones, like the blue is the easiest one. The shape of the maze is printed on the side of the box. So you know where the marble should be going. And then you roll it through and then can you get it all the way down to the bottom and and then see where it came out at the bottom because that's obviously the end is visible again. And you can open it up and reset it if you get stuck and you can't figure out what's going on. When you get to the harder ones, the harder ones you somewhat like the black one is the hardest one. You have to go down levels, go across, then go back up, go across and then go back down again. So you have to go up and down multiple times to get navigate the various levels. And I don't know that that one opens where you can actually see what's going on on the inside of it. So you can get a puzzle stuck, a uh, marble stuck in there, and there's no way to get it back out again. I, 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 yeah, I don't know. We haven't opened up one of the black ones or not. Somebody said, and the black one doesn't have the puzzle exactly printed on the side. It's printed in like some kind of code on the side of it. So you have to decipher the code as well to figure out where the marble's going to go. Oh, I kind of like that. Yeah, Tony already got a couple of them, okay. and he's already in on But Tony also. Uh, one of the things we used to have, do you remember when we had Perplexus? No. Perplexus is a big, clear globe, and it's a marble maze inside of a globe, and you have to roll the marble through the whole thing, and there's a bunch of various levels. And when they the, the Star Wars movies started coming out, the sequel movies started coming out, Perplexus made a Death Star version of it. I actually ended up on the front page of the with the holding the Death Star one as they wanted to know about movie tie-ins and what was coming mm. out. Uh, But perplexus is pretty fun. Much, much larger. These are a lot smaller and a lot more affordable. Interesting. Yeah, and then you can... But on the other side of the rack from those are the Hanayama metal puzzles. Those are the ones that they used to... I don't know, they used to be called like bar puzzles where it's like, can you get the two horseshoes apart or can you Uh. get the ring off of the rope or whatever? Well, these are Japanese ones that have taken that to a whole new level. There's levels one through six of these puzzles of can you take it apart and then okay you got a part can you put it back together and so it's it's kind of like um, two faces of the same sort of pus- one person puzzling of can I actually solve this and make this happen as I go along
2: there's also quite a few things on here that are just restocks of things we haven't had in a long time that are old that I was just like I feel like people need to see this again and remember it like brass Linkshire, because uh, Birmingham sold out but I was like people really want that so maybe they'll like this one
1: um, yeah, because Brass has moved into number one on Board yeah. Game Geek. We talked about that.
2: Blockness.
1: I did see you put out a copy of Monster of the Week on there, which is a really good RPG. Uh, long Shot. Long that shot. was a, that was a horse racing game that came out. It's a Roll and Ride horse racing game that came out last year. Yeah. And we I think we got like maybe one copy of it and then never got it again because it sold out everywhere. So um, here we are a half a year later.
2: Fairy Prank. Not a restock. It's a new game. It's really simple it's cute i wouldn't i don't know if it's dexterity but you use your senses so you have a box and someone's the fairy and it comes with like all of these things in it like a marble and a paperclip and whatever and the fairy takes items out and then passes it and you have to shake it and guess what was taken out and if you if you guess right like okay yeah that or guess what's still in there so if you hear something, you're like, yeah, that's a paperclip. You can look and it's still in there. You're good. And the next person goes and tell you they have to figure out what the fairy took. That's kind of
0: interesting. Yeah. I really like that.
2: It's, it's fun. It's really simple. It's cute. It's just yeah. a little, And you can add your own things to the box to make it harder.
0: Interesting. Yeah. That's a really clever idea. If you want to come in and check out one of these games we just talked about, feel free. But what is going on this week that might lure some people in to not only check out the brand new store, but check out some of these brand new items? Or restocks
1: this is another one of those kind of chill weeks where there's not a lot of big events coming up right now because we we just had a couple weeks of crazy we get a couple weeks off and then at the end of the month it all starts again um, so this week the only thing that's really different than normal I mean we're getting new stuff in. we've been trying to get a lot of restocks in and get it get in a bunch of new product as well and we um, but this week, the, the big thing is the, the next downtown concert is happening on the square on Saturday right in front of the store. Oh, yes. And so I don't even remember who it is this week. There's four of them that happen each summer now. And they all happen right on the square right in front of the store. And this is the second of four. The last one was Hairbangers Ball, which they're like an 80s kind of mock tribute band where they're over-the-top ridiculous. I'm not sure who this one is but there's usually there's usually an an 80s type band there's usually a bluegrass a jazz and then more just straight country that's usually the four that they do i think that um the jazz on front fest is coming soon as well that's obviously a couple blocks away from us but james that runs jazz up front uh does an amazing job of booking some great talent there as a way to come out and hang out and get a free concert and and have a couple of beverages we are in the middle of our where's waldo event with bobs bay bobs bay is part of the local movement and so elizabeth reached out to us and said hey let's uh, are you with downtown stores are interested in doing this and there's 25 stores doing it and there's a six inch tall waldo hidden somewhere in the store
0: Hidden so well that sometimes our own
1: employees (laughs) don't know where it is. Well, if somebody moves it and doesn't tell anybody else where they moved it to, because, yeah, it it took Ryan, Katie, and I a half an hour to find it the other day because kids had been in the store and they were getting upset because they couldn't find it. So it's kind of this thing, if you go to every store, you find Waldo at every store, the store gives you a stamp, and then you can turn it in at the end, and there's prizes, that sort of a thing. We're right in the middle of full-on summer reading program redemption. We always participate with the library and any kid or adult that, that finishes the summer reading program can come in and get a free pair of dice. And we counted the other day, we've already had 190 coupons wow. redeemed. Uh, normally we will get somewhere in the neighborhood of 800 sets of dice that will go out of the store. And I always tell the kids, I said, do you know why we do this with the library every year? And they're like, no, why? And they, they make a bunch of guesses and some of the guesses are pretty fun. And I said, ultimately, if you can't read books, you can't play board games. It's true. So I need you to be a strong reader so you can read board game rule books when you get older. And they're like, what? And their parents are like, oh, that totally makes sense. It's all a ploy. Yeah. It's all a scam just to get people reading to buy Playing board games. Playing the long game sometimes.
2: Or card games. You can't play Pokemon without reading.
1: That's true. Yeah, we, we know that there's a new, um, there's a Digimon pre-release that's coming up soon. Uh, Commander Masters uh, event is coming up at the beginning of August. Pokemon Obsidian Flames uh, the week after Magic Gen Con's coming up Gen Con's oh, coming Gen's fast coming big. Yeah. we're going to do our traditional Gen Con thing that we do every year of take a picture of a game you saw at a Gen Con and we'll give you 20% off if you order it through the store and we do that every year to gauge the things that people are excited about enough that they saw at Gen Con that they, because we can't I'm going to be at Gen Con the whole week can't, you can't even see everything, I swear, sure. sometimes. I feel like you've you spent three days in the vendor hall and still not see everything or walk past something that was really cool. So this way, our customers help us determine what they thought was cool at Gen Con, and then we can go looking for those products to bring them into the store.
0: Crowdsourcing answers. 100%. Yeah.
1: It's uh, it's the, what is the machine called, the Great Turk, where you crowdsource and said go through this pictures. Do you remember when they used to do that? No. There was a company that you could get points for and you would go through and say, and basically go through this massive pile of pictures and say what was in the picture. And I think that they were using it to train kind of photo recognition. And it was the early days where they were using humans to do it and every picture that you said what, what the topic of the picture was, you got like a, a fraction of a penny. But each one would take you a, a couple seconds to answer what, it, what was in that picture and stuff. And I think that's how they trained some of the early photo recognition interesting well this is us saying tell us what the cool stuff at Gen Con was and help us find it yeah
0: but with that I think it's time to bring this episode to a close Uh, if you want a chance to talk about your tabletop with us come and find us at Red Raccoon Games located in downtown Bloomington, Illinois or you can always reach out to us uh, at info at com. if you put podcast in the title we'll be more than happy to hopefully give you a shout out on the show We also now have our Discord where you can come in there. There's a few groups of people there that we talk a little bit about the episodes and I give a little heads up whenever it's live. So feel free to join us there. I want to thank Jillian Mesner for the use of our theme music. And yeah, you can also always review us on any podcast app of your choice. But until next time, keep playing.
1: Thanks, everybody. Bye.